welcome to I Hope We Can Make It Through, a Degrassi viewing podcast. I'm your veteran, Donnie. I'm your forgot to open up iTunes neophyte Frank. And today we are going to do another fucking plotline shuffle. Because fuck it, it's our show. Fuck it, why not? It sparks a lot of joy for us. Um, honestly, this season has not been miserable, but also we were kind of like, mm, let's bake up the queue a little bit. What's a pretty easy way to do that? And Frank's like, let's do a plotline shuffle. And I went, yeah, sure, why not? Getting it all ready. So for those of you who are either new or need a refresher, Plotline Shuffle is a arbitrary game that we can, we created here on I Hope Pod, where the rules are as follows. Um, we go through Frank's numerous songs on iTunes. We put it on Shuffle. Um, and we go turn by turn getting a song. So this is inspired by Degrassi's naming patterns because they're all named after song titles. Um, so we get the song title, we take a look at the lyrics, and we make a decision. Um, we need to try and come up with an A plot, but we like to go for the gusto and try and come up with a B plot as well. Um, we give a brief little synopsis about it. Um, we sometimes say we are going to do a point system, but I feel like that's really stupid when our judges are like the cats. And there's nothing to win. And like, I also feel like, <laughs> I feel like we should up the number of passes, because like, I have so much shit on here that sometimes... Oh, but that's fun. Okay, fine. How many passes did we allow last time? Three. Three. So you were allowed three passes. I think we should stay by the pass rule because I think that's part of the challenge. Because you have to choose wisely. This is why this is you're at the mercy of whatever wild wonders are lurking in your iTunes. Um, for transparency's sake, you took out the songs that we already used, right? I don't, well, I didn't take them out, but I, I know which ones we used. So we know we're not going to repeat any of the ones that we used. Um, so we are going to just see what the fuck happens. Um, you are allowed to look up on your phone any of the lyrics. So if you want to play this at home, we, we play by the rule that you can look up the lyrics. It is possible to play this game without knowing every single song. However, if you're a Degrassi enthusiast, this could be a fun thing to do with your pals. I also have, like, 25,000 songs on here, so it's going to be kind of hard to get, like, doubles. Yeah, you say that, but then, like, I feel like it just, for whatever reason, one song just really wants to keep being played. Yeah. But, so, we're gonna, we're gonna go see how it goes. Like I said, the points don't matter, but the fun and the bonding is what truly matters here at Plotline Shuffle. Okay. So, who wants to go first? Um, I'll pull up a coin, coin flipper. Alright. Hey, Siri. <laughs> Flip a coin for me, please. Tails. Okay, oh, we, we should have picked up who was gonna be what first. Alright, call it. Heads. Hey, Siri, flip a coin for me, please. Sure, I oh, come on, baby. Flip a coin for me, please. It's heads. Alright, I go first. Alright. Alright, let's fucking do this. Um, everybody loves to cha-cha-cha by Sam Cooke. Oh, okay. Give me a second. The, the legend of soul, Sam yes. Cooke. Everybody. Well, Donnie, like, looks it up. I just want to talk about Sam Cooke's song, A Change Is Gonna Come. Like, a classic. A change is going to come always depressed me when I was making music because I'm like, I'm never going to be this good. I, this is going to sound terrible. I know the Sam Cooke version. I've obviously am familiar with that version. But I cannot deny I am also very familiar with the Adam Lambert version. Fair enough. Because the only season of, of American Idol I ever watched was the Adam Lambert season versus Chris Allen. <sighs> okay, let me look at the lyrics. 
Um, well, let's see. We, we, we may, you know, we cut out some of the thinking time on this, I hope. Yeah. Um, so, this song is a song that you would see at the end of the season. Because I feel that it is a pretty obvious jump um, to do an end of the season dance. Mm-hmm. I think that it's pretty, pretty, you know, it was pretty obvious um, as a choice. Um, so I think what happens here is the A plot of this episode um, is... You know what? I'm going to say it's a Palix episode. Because it's all about um, that weird, this weird give and take of, like, someone being like, I'm going to teach you how to dance this, and then the person dancing it kind of better than you. So I kind of like the idea of it being Paige being like, I'm going to make you my project, Alex. I'm going to make you, you know, dance ready. Kind of goes through, tag like, drags her around to all the places and everything. Ultimately, at the dance, Alex just kind of does her own thing, and Paige realizes that that is what she actually likes about Alex, and that is also what people like about Alex. Alex is not as much of a misanthrope that I think Paige thinks she is, and when she tried to make Alex into something that she's not, then they all they have is tension, and Alex also becomes more disconnected from people because she's unable to be herself. I think that's an excellent, uh, that's an excellent A-plot. Oh, do you have a B plot? I think the B plot is um, probably something lighter. Um, it's probably something like, let's give Toby a plot, I think. Because mm. um, I feel like he is woefully neglected um, for various reasons. And I'm going to say let's give Toby a B plot. Let's give Toby the chance to... Um, Oh, you want to know what we could do? Because we don't have to follow the laws of Degrassi. What if it's one of those things where Kendra um, went to, like, let's say, like, Kendra went to, like, a boarding school or something like that, and Mm -hmm. she's back for, like, the weekend or some shit, and he tries to, um, tries to make everything kind of back to where it used to be, where, like, he's like, oh, let's, let's, like, let's, like, have a dance like we used to and have such a good time and then they and she's like yeah sure why not like let's do it and then they realize they can never go back and they have changed too much or rather she's changed too much and he has stayed the same and they are unable to reconnect i i, I like that but like i do i don't know part of me kind of wants like a bit of a happier ending or yeah just i can just end it like that i think that's a better lesson honestly yeah also, I feel like it's trying to get to this issue with Toby where I feel like the writers made a self-fulfilling prophecy where they stagnated Toby, but then didn't address the fact that he was stagnated very well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they, they kind of got him into this rut, and the writers were like, we don't know what to do with him, as opposed to being like, no, like, let's play off of that, that, like, all of his friends have gone through so much shit and have changed because of it, and he has been on the periphery of all that shit, and yet he is still doing the same bullshit that he did seasons ago. Yeah. All right, right. shuffle time. Man on a Wire by Garbage. Oh! 
Okay. Ooh. I looked into the mirror. What did I see? There was a big black beast looking back at me. <laughs> like a man on a wire. I set myself on fire. Destroyer of our dream. Trying to find a spark. Desperate for love like a man on a wire. With so many self-destructive people in Degrassi, it's hard for me to pin this to just one. Right. You know what? The idea of the big... It's going to be very difficult for me to not make, like, every one of my episodes about Alex. Mm-hmm. But, like, we talked a little bit about this in the last plotline shuffle of, like, Alex getting, like, the change being after the shooting. Mm-hmm. Like, I would love an episode... Yes, um, where um, Alex, after the shooting, tries to go back to hang out with Jay and that mm. crew and, like, you know, down by the river and whatnot. And, like, the just kind of way they talk about the shooting and about things. And then, like, she has to go home to her, like, shit, like you know, the shitty boyfriends that her mom brings home. And she just kind of can't handle it anymore. Mm-hmm. And, like, she starts wondering if, like, you know, she starts wondering if it's just her. Mm-hmm. Like, if she's mm-hmm. just attracting all these because there's something about her that's wrong. Mm-hmm. And I know, like, it'd be very easy to turn this into a Palix plot. Yes. But I don't want to do that because I feel like when it comes to that... It would be Marco would be the one to kind of, like, talk her through this. Like, Mm -hmm. she's, you know, at school, she's lashing out more than normal. Um, She's still vice president after the shooting, right? Yes. 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 Yeah, they don't change the... Yeah. Until, like, season five. Yeah. So, like, she's lashing out more than normal, and, like, the teacher's like, like, you gotta talk to Alex, like, mm-hmm. to say that, they say that to Marco. And, like, he kind of keeps pushing her and pushing her until, like, she finally just, like, punches him. Ooh. Okay. And, and Marco just kind of takes it. And, like, I'm thinking very much Xander talking to Black Will- to Dark Willow at the end of, like, I think season six of... Buffy, mm-hmm. where he's just like, you can't make me fucking leave until you tell me what's wrong. Mm-hmm. And she kind of like unloads on him like everything that she did and like what happened. And he's like, look, just when you need to, when you need to hang out with somebody, you come talk to my crew and you can hang out with us. I'm not going to tell anyone because I don't want you to get in trouble and I don't like unlike everybody else, you actually regret it. And mm-hmm. I, he's like, that's punishment enough. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, he's just like, look, I know you don't... It This doesn't sit right, but, like, the best thing you can do is just try and help others and, like, learn from that. Mm-hmm. And it just, like, gets through to her. Because I, I, I really do enjoy the Marco... Alex friendship. Me too. It's it's something that I didn't really pick up on when I was um, watching it as a kid, but as an adult, I'm like, oh no, this is like really genuinely interesting, and and it feels like what happens a lot of the time in um in 
schools where it's just kind of like this weird kind of camaraderie that happens among like lgbtq kids or lgbtq adjacent kids where it's just kind of like we're we're all in this together because we do not know enough people outside of ourselves (laughs) and i also like that they kind of had that sun and moon type of dynamic in the sense that like alex is very like in your face and marco is going to be more of an anxious person who kind of tries to keep everything contained and i I just really like the levels in that sense yeah i also do feel like for me this is a very jersey thing Mm -hmm. where it's just like you know like high school kids won't be the most educated but like the minute like somebody outside the circle like says something we're just like the fuck you just say yeah, there's this, like, level of loyalty. And also, I feel like it's a level of loyalty that you just only see at a teenage age. Yeah. Like, only teenagers can be this fiercely loyal where they can go toe-to-toe with someone and go, like, what the fuck did you just say about my friend? Yeah. Like. <laughs> like, you know, like, you always want friends that are ride or die for you. But, like, at a teenager, you're, you're pretty, like, like. Now we're gonna jump straight to the or die part. Right, right. Like they're they're emotionally volatile enough that that is definitely possible. And I feel like they kind of have that energy going on for the two of them, and I really appreciate it. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not gonna bother with the plot. I I really just like my a plot. I like so. your a plot too. All right, ready? Yes. Okay, this is gonna be a fun one. Shoes by Stretch Princess. Shoes by Stretch. Have you ever even heard of the band Stress Princess? Sure haven't. I found out from this band from one of my buddy's exes. Hmm. They are. Okay. Okay. It's so late now, and you're far from gone. Our finest hour that I made. A little hard, and you run. It's no reason. But I know you are coming from... Unverified. <laughs> Yeah, this is a lot unverified in these lyrics. Ah! I was running without your shoes on. I count ten things with my heart in my hands, then start over again. How does it feel when you know I'm still waiting for you, and I guess that I will know it's easy to get too close. Don't get too close, don't. It's a little clearer now, but I can't even see myself. You're fixing us, but I can't even but you can't even fix yourself. Well, obviously, this is a Craig and Ashley type situation. Um, I feel like we kind of got this in um, in the episodes. I wish we saw it executed a little better. But that weird, uncomfortable push and pull that is when a person who is more neurotypical, or even not neurotypical, but kind of within the depression, anxiety realm of mental illness is trying to make sense of somebody who is not. Mm-hmm. And I think what this could be is this could have been the true deep dive into that mm-hmm. and the true exploration of how fucking messy that is. And I think that it would have been, it probably would be a very difficult episode to execute because you would have to get through a lot of really ugly feelings. But I also feel like the episode could then be more of a deep dive in the fact that we have seen Ashley in depression, depressive episodes. We have seen her in pretty tough spots emotionally. And I think what this episode could be is to acknowledge that, but also acknowledge the fact that ultimately her depressive episodes are not analogous to Craig being bipolar. And 
having it be an exploration of the way that differently mentally ill people don't always necessarily find harmony within each other. Um, but also emphasizing accountability and treatment and people having to try and be on their own journeys in the process. So Ashley maybe learning not to micromanage Craig so much as taking accountability for her own mental illness, seeking help in her own ways, and learning not to micromanage other people's mental illnesses. Sounds good. Thank you. Uh, B-plot, let's see. B-plot, you know what B plot? the B-plot is? It's a super bullshit B-plot in which the, in which a sport team of your choice, try, uh, let's say like basketball or something, something that the spirit squad would be cheering for, mm -hmm. they try to do a bullshit um, transphobic attempt by like dressing up as the spirit squad type bullshit. Um, and then they are called out for their horrible behavior and learn that gender is not something to mock and they then are punished because i'm so sick and tired of high schools doing these types of fundraisers um i would just like marco or somebody to say like i want somebody like on the side of righteousness saying there's nothing wrong i don't find anything shameful about dressing like a woman because there's nothing shameful about being a woman. Exactly. And that's, like, kind of the point. Off. It's like, why? Yes. It's like, why are you... Fine. Why do you feel that... Why is this, like, the, the thing that's making people, like, have to... Uh, like, why is this becoming a spectacle? What about women... What about women and, and womanhood makes such a spectacle out of itself? And yeah. then they have to unpack that. Yeah. And then it ends with an actual genderfuck prom. Yes. Got it. Oh. This is the first episode, and then my other plotline shuffle is the sec is like the that's like the episode before the season finale, and then like my other one is the season finale. Oh, yeah, well, my next episode, <laughs> "Walking Blues" by Robert Johnson. Okay. I have an idea about this one. I woke up this morning feel feeling round for my shoes. Knowing known know by that I got these old walking blues. Well, woke this morning feeling round for my shoes. But you know by that, I got these old walking blues. Lord, I feel like blowing my old lonesome horn. Got this morning, my little Bernice was gone. Okay, I'm going to use the fact that this is walking blues to just make this a fun, kind of lighthearted episode about everyone going to, like, a walk-a-thon. Okay, yeah. That feels like a rite of passage also that, like, is so common for teenagers and just like everyone doing it in their own way okay okay you know what it's after like it's a few it's during the summer between uh the fourth and fifth season where everyone is like you know the the shooting is still fresh in everyone's minds mm -hmm. um but like you know enough time has passed that we can be some people are like look why don't we have like a fundraiser against gun violence mm-hmm um, and, like, the Degrassi kids feel like they're, they have to go out for it. Um. I'm, like, I'm trying to, like, find a way to make this entertaining. Like, like, how, like, the, the, the different for, like, the, the differences of the, like, the different, uh, like, styles people are, like, walking in. Okay. Um. 
like at some point like um Jay cheats and like hops in his car and like gets called out by Alex. Oh my gosh. Um Or no, Jay tries to steal the money. Okay. And Alex just is like, you better fucking put that back now or we're gonna have, we're gonna exchange hands. Mm-hmm. Um, Spinner tries to show up, but like, everybody tells him to fuck off. Mm-hmm. Um, people are kind of like horrified to see what their teachers wear during the summertime. Oh, that's good. Um... <laughs> <laughs> like some like Manny's just like oh god I can see I can see a, uh, I can see Snake's ankles well, that's not that exciting Manny lives with Snake now I know but this is before that and, oh, okay like, fair Emma, enough and Emma's just like yep you never kind of get used to that um what do call it like Downtown Sasquatch tries to play. Naturally. Um, and, like... <laughs> but they end up in the wrong area. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's just an episode of hijinks. That's fun. Like, you know... Um, yeah. So... Um, oh... And Toby is trying to talk to JT because they're still kind of on the outs over the whole Rick thing. Mm-hmm. And, like, they're both power walking away from each other. Oh, my God. Because... Perfect. <laughs> and, but, like, Liberty is also power walking because she wants to, like, go the farthest. Mm-hmm. But, like, their, their determination to have this conversation just keeps them going on where Liberty, like, drops out. And she's like, I can't beat them. Like... <laughs> Oh my gosh. That's all we got. So yeah, so that's that's mine. Perfect. Sorry, I was trying my best to listen, but I don't know if you noticed, but Dahlia has been making a circle, trying to get to my lab, and then... Dahlia. 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 To me. I want to be in Mom's lab. To Bob. Help. I want to be a mom Thursday. Up, up, dumb cat. Hey. We all know. I mean, no, she's not very smart. That's true, but you can't fault her for wanting to be in her mother's lap. Fair enough. Okay. Anyway, uh, okay, give it to me. Hopefully Dahlia will not disturb me. Oh, for God's sakes. What is it? I mean, it's it's a Canadian property. It's the song Chow Down from Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Is there lyrics? No, it's an instrumental. Moving on. Okay. Oh, Cool. Gravity by Sarah Bareilles. Oh, very good. Which wasn't at the karaoke parlor we went to on Saturday. That does not seem right. That had to be an error of some sort because that was a single. Yeah. Um. All right. So ah, this song. Ah, yes. Um. So classic, really. Um. Lyrics include something always brings me back to you. It never takes too long. No matter what I say or do, I'm still. I'll still feel you here till the moment I'm gone. Um, set me free, leave me be. I don't want to fall another moment into your gravity. Here I am, and I stand. So tall, just the way I'm supposed to be, but you're on to me and all over me. Um, 
So, here's the thing. This has a lot of romantic kind of, or like formerly romantic undertones. Um, and I'm going to instead invoke the feeling and less of the lyric, literal lyrical content. Fair enough. In the sense that I want this to be about Ellie and I want it specifically to be about the fact that just because her mother is sober and working on shit doesn't mean that Ellie's trauma relating to her mother has been resolved. Yeah. And I kind of want her to be in a bit of a rough spot in terms of that trauma. Maybe she's having panic attacks or maybe she's just having a lot of PTSD related symptoms happening. And I think that she goes into her usual, like, impenetrable Ellie Nash mode where she just kind of just tries to power through. She's not at a point where she's going to relapse into self-harm, but she is notably shutting down. And she's also in group, and Craig is noticing, like, she's not as open. Um, She's just very much just kind of, like, in survival mode. And Craig tries to reach out to her, um, and... Ellie is struggling with this, and ultimately, Ellie does have a very... I'm having... I feel like there's a theme here where, in my plots. Um, but Ellie eventually admits that there is still a part of her that is still very fearful that everything is just going to go back to shit with her mother. Um, and I'm not 100% certain how I want to resolve this. If um, I think it depends on where she's at in her treatment. Maybe she is only going to group right now and she's not going to individual therapy. Maybe this is her way of going, well, maybe you should go back to individual therapy or go to Sauve or go to someone else because group is not enough. Um, Which might be, I think, might ultimately be what the true message of this episode is trying to be. It's about how, like, your traumas are still very real and, you know, your treatment plan may have to adjust depending on what your individual needs are in the moment. So I'm feeling that being the concept of the whole entire thing. Okay. Um, for the B plot. For the B plot. Um, um, hmm. I almost don't. I feel like if I do a romantic one, it feels a little too one for one. Maybe maybe something like Paige accidentally uncovers some stuff with Spinner. Um, not like incriminating stuff, but like old stuff from when she was dating Spinner. Uh, and she finds herself getting into the nostalgia trap. And she considers reaching out to him and then kind of stops herself before she actually does. Um, and realizes that sometimes, as intoxicating as it may feel... Now is not the time. And it may never be the time. Yeah. That's a good song for, for a Degrassi episode. Yeah. Oh, boy. Ooh, what you get? I like it by the Rosillos. Huh. Okay, I'm going to take my skip on this one. Okay. Ooh, Wave by Beck. So, Waves is has pretty short lyrical content. Um, so it is, I move away from this place in the form of a disturbance and enter into the world like some tiny distortion. If I surrender and I don't fight this wave, I won't go under. I'll only get carried away. So this is what I wanted Emma's post-shooting experience to be like. 
in the sense that um, I feel as though there was a lot of weird kind of contradictory half-assed attempts at where she was at emotionally. And I think that what they were trying to get at is that she went through this trauma. She was trying to process it. There was so much that she was trying to process and in the midst of all of that, disconnected entirely from everything and no longer found pleasure in anything. So let's maybe have this instead be the episode in which we actually do have her be able we kind of get more into her mind and less into these weird arbitrary kind of moments and then like the whole ravine business and stuff like that and instead have it be about how almost like almost like to make the episode be like feel like you're dissociating almost in the sense that like you feel like she you can kind of feel yourself like that weird block that you get when you are truly disconnecting from the mortal plane and like you kind of almost feel like there's a saran wrap wall between you and the world mm -hmm. and we kind of see her not being able to make those connections and see her not being able to make sense of anything um and maybe not even have it resolved, but at least have her be able to speak to that, whether it's just maybe to Spike kind of go back to like the classic plots of Degrassi where Emma was in a rut and then she talks to her mom about it and maybe not really having a plan of how to proceed, but more having this episode be a template of sorts to help people kind of understand, maybe even understand themselves when they go through stuff like that and dissociation and things like that so that they have kind of a model to go off of in media. Like, I honestly, like, I, I like this idea to the point where I would want to film this kind of like an indie movie. Yes. Where, like, you know, Spike is serving dinner and, like, um... Like, she puts, like, some, like, you know, salad or whatever on Emma's plate, and Emma's just looking at it, and she blinks her eyes, and it's just, like, big piles of sawdust, mm -hmm. and she blinks back, and it's just, like, the, the leafy greens again. Yeah. Or, um, like, things are always just kind of, like, she reaches out, and they're not quite at the distance she gauges it. Yeah. Like, kind of, like, those kind of weird sensations. Um... Like, Jack says her name, like, her full name, but, like, everybody's, like, super happy, and, like, she's, like, I don't feel it. Right. And then, like, she's just, like, babysitting Jack, and she just keeps flashing back to, like, Rick yelling at her, don't walk away from me. Mm -hmm. And also, like, what could have happened if he, like, fired at her? Right. Like, it's very much, like, it's a heavy A plot. It's a very meandering A-plot. Like, I don't see it really having much of a structure, per se, but more of a expose of what it is, what it can be like when you are going through it in that way. Oh. Um, in terms of a B-plot, I don't know. This is, this is one that, like, I feel like I don't really know if a B-plot would work in an episode like this because you would deviate so far away from its original cinematography that maybe the B-plot is just kind of some, I don't want to say bullshit plot, but, like, maybe something kind of Manny just having, like, relationship issues or something like that. Something that you see interspersed, but because you are from the perspective of Emma, you're very um, disconnected. And you could also really play with her being an unreliable narrator and maybe even having that information contradict 
in certain ways because she's just not present enough to actually keep track of all the information. Yeah, I I like that idea. Can, like, can I hit you with a counter? Sure. Um, it's what Jimmy sees when he's going through his coma. Like, because Jimmy was out for a while. Mm-hmm. Because, okay, so let me just back up and explain where I'm coming at. Like, one of my favorite episodes of Supernatural is Bobby after he gets shot. And, like, Death is just talking to him and being like, look, you need to come with me or you know what happens. You'll, you'll become a ghost and you'll get angry. And he's like, I need to tell my boys something. Like, I can't go just yet. And, like, you know... It's just, like, if we're going to go full dream state kind of with Emma, I'd like to do, like... No, I wouldn't... Well, my only thing is Emma is not in a dream state. Mm. She's not. And that's kind of the thing. It's... It would be... I wish, but she's not. It's more... When you're in this kind of just... Like, you're just kind of dissociating almost nonstop. It's incredibly difficult to contain and retain any information. Yeah. So I'm trying to emulate that sensation more, where it's like you can't keep up because you're trying so hard to stay in the present. Like, you're trying to keep your body present, and in the process, you're not being able to be mindful of conversations that you're having. And so you're not able to... So you're just, like, constantly confused. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll just think of your Mandy. Your Mandy. Your Manny one. My Manny. Yeah. Yes, my Manny one. All right. No, for mine. Mm-hmm. White Riot by The Clash. Oh. Is there any way I can do this? Uh, let's see. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, are we going to use a skippy skip? Yep. Mm. Uh, uh, Vision Valley by The Vines. The Vines? Yeah, like one of their later albums. Wait, the Vines had more than one album? Yes, they had several. Oh. Huh. What's it called again? Vision Valley. Vision Valley. Okay, literally two pair of rest. Are you here forever standing by the road with the benefit of feeling on your own where the river ends? The sun is coming down through the Vision Valley waiting to be found. And then just that again. Huh. Wait, they were formed in 1994? Yep. What the fuck? <coughs> <coughs> I know them for like one fucking song. Wow. I'm learning. Growing and learning, everybody. Um, let's see. I'm trying to get like the actual lyrics. Just hold on lyrics please please for baby okay benefit of feeling on your own the river ends some coming down vision valley waiting to be found are you here forever standing by the road with the benefit of feeling on your own where the river and the valley come down through the vision valley waiting to be found i mean obviously this is a sean episode okay uh so obviously this is a sean episode um i feel like this is just a, um, so I feel like this is an episode of, um, what it could have actually been, 
or what I really wanted, um, the complicated feelings that he had concerning his parents. Um, I, I feel like I would not have minded, I don't, I feel like it would have been nice to see Sean crack in the sense that I would have liked to see Sean have a fucking temper tantrum of, like, I want my fucking parents, but I know I can't have my fucking parents. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it would be nice, maybe with maybe with Ellie or something like that, where Ellie is like trying to take care of trying to take care of him because he's clearly having a tough time, and he just has a fucking hissy fit of just like I want my fucking parents and I can't fucking have my parents because and then like you know he finally like kind of opens up about the extents of what his parents, like what were the issues and why it was so fraught growing up with them. Yeah. Um, and you know what I would really like that the ending of that episode to be? Mm-hmm. Ellie goes to get, oh, Ellie goes to get Snake. Mm-hmm. So that he can have, like, a f- role model of some sort. Well, I mean, I still really love that ending, like, where Sean says, I'm going to, like, repair your car, Mr. Simpson, to make up for what I did. Yeah. Like, I thought, like, and, like, them getting kind of, like, back on equal footing. I'm like, I fucking love this. Like, I wish that could have continued. Yeah. Like, maybe he's not, Sean's not dating Emma anymore, but he still is a boy that needs help. Right. So, like, you know, for, um, for her to go get Snake would be, like, amazing. Yeah, I think that would be a really nice way for them to kind of clear the air and reiterate their... I don't know, their feelings for each other in terms of, like, you know, there is a fondness between each other. There is a, um, I don't know, there is just, there is positive feelings in this dynamic, and it would be nice to kind of make, make them be able to have that space to talk about it. So I feel like it would be a good excuse for that type of stuff. I don't actually have a B-plot for this, so that was kind of the, I feel like, that would be nice. Or even have the B-plot be something, maybe not exactly it, maybe, like, Joey is pissed off at Craig in, for something, some, like, petty bullshit, and Joey has to learn, or not learn so much as, like, he has to accept that, like, as pissed off as he is, he can't, like, be pissed off at a child in the way that he would be pissed off at an adult. Yeah. And I think Snake's whole entire arc could be that letting go of your anger toward a child as well. Yeah. Alright, let's see if I can actually get something good. Mm. Okay, Fireflies in a Steel Mill by the Elected. Okay. I'm probably going to do some stuff with this. She ran hard and her feet felt nothing, a giant river twisting to the top of the hill. And fell down hard and man it hurt and bruised her body on the rocks and the dirt. See, to her, this just feels weird and very, very sad. But she won't cry. She won't cry. She'll come home, baby, if you take it all back. And it was hard when he told her those ideas that never got finished. Well, that's what we are. We're like the places you just never see. You read about them. You know you love them. Well, that's how you fell in love with me. I like that line... Well, like the places you just never see, you you read about them, you know you love them. Well, that's how you fell in love with me. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is Craig and Ashley um, after Ashley leaves. Okay. 
But what we're seeing is the kind of like harrowing first days of Craig. Um, of Craig, like after, you know, Joey picks him up and like, you know, his going to the hospital and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just him coming to terms with it and like getting leveled out on his medicine and like doing the therapy, like, doing all the hard work. Right. Meanwhile, Ashley, like, and kind of juxtaposing it with Ashley honestly feeling a bit relieved that she's left Degrassi. Mm-hmm. And, but also feeling guilty that she's left Craig behind in such a sorry state. And she does hear from Ellie, like, the things Craig's going through. And it's just her trying to figure out whether or not to contact him or not. Mm. And then finally, like, Ellie has to be like, you're not going to help things. You need to move on. And that's when she meets her boyfriend. Uh, So, like, instead of having it be kind of like a gimmick, almost, at the beginning of the season, it's it's more growth for Ashley. Yeah. I like that. And, like, it's also, like, you know, Ellie's actually kept two secrets. Like, one, she's telling, like, Ashley, like, move the fuck on. Mm-hmm. Well, no. Uh, it's just gonna fit that Ellie doesn't know. Okay, well, Ellie just says, like, you need to not contact Craig. Yeah. Like, you're not gonna help things. It's just you gonna spiral again. You need to maintain again. space. Like, because, you know, Ellie knows what's going on and she can help. Mm-hmm. Alright, so... Let's see what your next one is. Mm-hmm. Oh, happiness is a warm gun. <laughs> Let me double check the lyrics. Let's uh, see if this might be my first pass. Happiness is a warm gun. Let's see. I'm not um, I'm gonna skip solely because I really don't feel like thinking, I'm, this was, song was about drugs, right? I'm not being, like, a weird arbitrary person when I say this. I don't know. Um, just because of the, I need a fix because I'm going down, down to the pits that I left uptown. I'm not gonna touch this because I don't like thinking about these kids going through that type of shit. So, I'm gonna skip it. Okay, I got uh, We Never Changed by Coldplay. I want to live life, never be cruel. I want to live life, be good to you. I want to fly, never come down, live my life, and have friends around. We never change, do we? No, no, we never learn, do we? So I want to live in a wooden house. I want to live life, always be true. I want to live life and be good to you. Okay. This is going to be an adult plot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's... It, okay, so I know normally, like, it's, like, Snake and Spike going on a date and trying to, like, do something they did as kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's part of them, like, they're a bit older, so they're a bit slower and, like, not as able-bodied as they once were. Mm-hmm. And... It kind of discourages them, because they're like, oh, we're old now. Like, I didn't think, you know, like, it's weird saying that, but we're old. But then, like, 
Spike brings up a joke that they had when they were younger, and like, like they start kind of reminiscing about that. Mm-hmm. And then, like, that eventually evolves into newer jokes and newer fun stories that they have. Okay. And they're like, you know what? We're older, but we're still the same. And, like, things are better than the way they were back then. Mm-hmm. So. Specifically, actually, like, Spike points out that, like, it's a lot easier with, you know, Snake there, with Emma, and with, like, like with Jack and she's just like I I'm not actually sure what Spike's situation well we've heard that like you know she's like yeah you kind of lose all your time like when you're a single parent yeah um like she points out like she has time to do things now like not a huge amount but like you know and like I would like to think that Snake is a good partner and sometimes it's like look just I'll stay here with the kids you just go do your own thing Mm mhm or just like Jack and I go do something, and or like yeah, actually like that day he's out with Jack when Paige and Oleander see him. Mm-hmm. He's just like yeah, I'm gonna just take Jack out for a day. Why don't you and Emma go do something? You guys haven't really like been doing stuff lately together. Oh, that would be nice. So, so yeah, there's that. So that's mine. I like the idea of like sincere adult plots. Yeah. Because I feel like, you know, especially because, like, last last episode we recorded, we were talking about how sincere um, the episode seemed to be and how that ended up landing very well. I feel like a lot of the time when we have the adult plots, they're very insincere. Yeah. And very, like, intentionally just, like, deceptive and shit like that. And it's like, does that happen sometimes? Yes. Does that make for good TV? I guess. But... There is something really nice about, like, being like, no, you're right, like, I screwed up, and I need to get back to where I need, get back to an okay place with people. Yeah. That's the real adult plot. Yeah. (laughs) Accountability. Okay, this is an instrumental from Bella Circulatica. (laughs) Um, Rabbit Heart, Raise It Up by Florence and the Machine. All right. Rabbit Heart. I know this song, but I need to look at the lyrics. Alright. Here I am, a rabbit-hearted girl, frozen in the headlights. It seems I've made the final sacrifice. Um, I look around, but I can't find you. If only I could see your face. Instead of rushing towards the skyline, I wish that I could just be brave. Um, I must become a lion-hearted girl ready for a fight before I make the final sacrifice. Um, see, I would love to just delete Oleander, but I think that the only fucking compromise I could come up with is if this was an A-plot about Paige being like, no, you're a fucking creep. And her just kind of being like, I'm not, like, you know, having this journey of being like, I can't fucking believe that I had a man hurt me like this again, and her getting kind of down on herself, and then maybe having to go to Sauvay again or something like that, um, and kind of realizing, like, no, it's not that you're, like, a magnet for this type of shit, but, you know, you are telling someone Um, and just kind of looking at it in, in the light that it should have been, which is that this was a fucking creep and having her 
having her be able to actually process it as such and giving her the space to be able to be like, hey, what the fuck? This was a guy who did try to take advantage of me. Um, and maybe have some of that, like, why am I in this situation again? I don't want to fucking go to court again. Like, I don't want to, like, you know, having those types of feelings. But also learning how to, um, not, not fault herself for being in a situation like this. Yeah. Um, B-plot... Let's see. I'm trying to think of, like, what were some of the B-plot. Like, Oleander, the Oleander stuff was the B-plot a lot of the time. It just never fucking left. Um, let's have the B-plot be... Maybe... I'm trying to remember exactly. So that was, like, post-shooting, right? Yes, Oleander stuff was post-shooting, right? Yes. So, why don't we have some sort of B-plot in which Hazel is trying to have, like, a really nice date with Jimmy, um, and she tries to, like, make everything super-duper planned, and, like, you know, found a place that's handicap accessible, and they're gonna go to a cafe that's not the dock, and things like that. And Jimmy's just kind of tired and not really into it and eventually reveals all he really wants to do is just watch a movie with her and then they go and watch a movie. They just kind of hang out, go home, watch a movie and are totally content and are appreciative that they are in each other's lives. Cool. Yeah. All right, last one. All right. Boo. All right. Don't know what to do about this one. Soul Singer in a Session Band by Bright Eyes. Oh. Uh, see the Soul Singer in the Session Band shredded to ribbons between, beneath a microphone stand. Felt the quickness of pity like a flash in a pan for their Soul Singer in the Session Band. Red Carpet Baker makes a black bear call to the Plaza Piranhas in the City of Soul. Wasted wheat paste campaign post no bills on the wall. You mean nothing to no one, but that's nobody's fault. Hmm. This is so fucking pretentious. Yeah. Okay. Do I get to just bump one and just do another one, or do you want to take the next one? I mean, close it out right so let's let you let you pick one i want you to end with a creation oh yeah i can't can just pick whichever one i want are you hitting shuffle right now and picking until something speaks to you yes stop i'm not saying that okay next one come on the worries the worries worries okay the instrumental <laughs> okay we can skip the instrumental all right louis by ida maria Oh my god, I haven't thought of Ida Maria in years. Apparently she likes it better when I'm naked. I really enjoyed that album. Fortress Around My Heart. It's a fun album. Ooh, okay. So the first three verses are, Louie, I just got a warning and I know, I know. Louie, I know I'm always drunk, as drunk can be, but I wonder, Louie, have you got room for me? Um, and then we got this one bit in the middle. Oh, nobody knew why some are born with empty holes like Twisted Souls. Yes, it's a, it's a good album. It's I really like this song. Anyway, go on. 
Um, Ellie's mom uh, went out last night and has not come home. Oh, fuck. Yeah. And I'm not exactly sure why. Or, like, Ellie gets home from school thinking her mom will have come back and she's not there. Um, she gathers together the crew to try and find her. Okay. And they're, like, just scouring the bars and whatnot, trying to hunt down her mom. Um, I don't have anything else after that. Like, I, I feel like that's... I feel like that's the plot I want to go with. Yeah, I mean... It, it seems like it's very you brand in the sense because like that seems like that opens up a euchre crew plot yeah. and kind of like the bonding of the euchre crew and i also feel like it's a moment where you kind of realize like i feel like sometimes especially with a friendship like that where everyone's misfits and they all feel very intensely it takes a moment like that to realize the depth of your friendship you yeah. know what i mean like i feel like that's a moment where like they're kind of wandering around and they're just like fuck man like we really care about each other and that could kind of just be the the sort of hook in that one. It's them all realizing, like, oh, we, we actually give a shit about each other. Yeah. But, yeah, it feels very frank. Um, and it's just, like, Ellie is reminded of, like, when she does finally find her mom, um, I'm not exactly sure where, but, like, not exactly the best place. Mm-hmm. She's just, like, I don't, like, I can't get her home. And then, like, the, you know, the boys pick her up and, like, everybody just kind of works together mm-hmm. to get her home. And it's just, like, yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. That's really fun. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's sad, but, like, the bonding potential is the fun piece of it. Like, I feel like it would offset a lot of the... It would make it... You know what would be nice about it? it? It prevents it from becoming a dirge. Yeah. Which I feel like is very easy in a plot like this. I feel like it retains a level of... Because, like, you know that everyone would be trying to deflect with humor and things like that. And trying to make Ellie be distracted. And it would be a juxtaposition that I think would work really, really well. Cool. Thank you. No problem. Alright, so that's about an hour. Yep. So, that's it for Plotline Shuffle. Um, if you want to support the show, there's a couple ways you can do it. You can follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at iHopePod. We're also in a Facebook group at I Hope I Can Make It Through Podcast. Um, you can also email us at iHopePod at gmail.com, whether you have any questions, comments, or concerns. Or if you're interested in potentially appearing on an episode, Frank and I are kind of fast and loose right now with our recording schedule. Um, but that doesn't mean that we won't make time for you. If there are any episodes that particularly speak to you, please don't hesitate to let us know, and we will gladly try and fit you into it. If you want to help the show in other ways, there are two major ways you could do so. You can donate to our coffee account. Um, any donations that we make can uh, will go toward compensating guests as well as tech upgrades. Um, we also have our review challenge. So once we hit certain points in terms of how many reviews and ratings that we receive, we are going to go and do certain little gifts. And some of them include going to original Degrassi episodes, some of them include us writing fanfic, one of which may be potentially based off of our plotline shuffle plots. Um, just kind of fun extra content that not just is enjoyable for you, but also enjoyable for us to make. 
So, um, definitely thank you everyone who has given us reviews and ratings so far. Um, and we hope that you continue to do so, um, because we want to be able to give back to you. And that's one of the easiest ways that we can do so. Um, if you want to follow me on social media, your best bet is to follow me on Twitter at DM is unbreakable. Um, I post a lot of meta and reflections concerning Fire Emblem Three Houses, but I'm always down to talk about any other types of media. Um, I sometimes respond to Degrassi No Context, um, which is a really fun Twitter account that I really hope that you're checking out, um, because they, one, make you have to confront some of the more embarrassing moments of Degrassi by looking at stills, um, but also they sometimes put up some pretty fun discussion in meta, and sometimes I respond to it and talk to people about it. So don't hesitate to tweet me with any Degrassi questions. Um, I'm going to be promoting my zine for a lot of the time right now, which is a zine dedicated to Dimidu, which is the ship for Dimitri and Dimidu in Fire Emblem Three Houses. It's a charity zine that I'm working on with some really good pals um, where we're trying to raise money for NAMI, which is an excellent organization, uh, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, which is um, a really important organization to me and also um, one that we are really excited to be able to support through the zine. We have apps open, so if you are passionate about the ship and want to potentially help us out with art, fic, or merch, please don't hesitate to fill out our application. It is on my pin tweet. Um, so yeah, if you, it's something you're interested in, something I'm gonna be deeply passionate about and not able to shut up about for the next couple months. Um, I have another podcast called Teen Girl Talk. Uh, it's where my sister and I um, uh, cover all kinds of team media, not just Degrassi. Um, when this comes up by this week, I hopefully will have the first few parts of my Chrono Trigger playthrough on my YouTube channel, which link is in the description. This is a uh, spite run of Chrono Trigger because my friend refuses to play it, and I'm going to show him what he's missing. Um, this week on Teen Girl Talk, we're covering the movie Brick. Starting, oh my god, I remember this movie. Uh, starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt as a teenager who basically talks like a like 1940s policeman. So, oh my god. Sorry, yeah. I'm just like freaking out because I do remember this. Wasn't this such a good movie? I, I don't even know anymore. I was like so... It was like kind of like at a phase in my life where I was still very new to that type of movie so it was like legitimately nothing I had really seen before so it was like incredibly impressionable in that sense <laughs> you helped you've helped out this office before I gave you Jerry to see him get eaten not to see you get fed it's my favorite line from that movie god I would have to revisit it wow um uh yeah that's about it for me so well that being said, everybody, we hope you can keep making it through and that you're going to be there with us. See you next week. Later. Bye. She ran hard And her feet felt nothing A giant river twisting To the top of a hill And fell down hard Man, it hurts.